last week as I was working on a Christmas gift, I found myself watching Rick Steves' European Christmas. I only watched for about 30 minutes. He was making his way through Germany and then the Netherlands, but it reminded me that so much of what we assume to be American about Christmas actually comes from a bunch of other places. Christmas is a gift from immigrants. The Christmas tree, for example, came from Germans. And at one time, and I think still, many still do use actual candles, lit candles, on their tree. Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas, also brought by German, Dutch, Ukrainian immigrants. Wrapping gifts originated in Asia. The oldest pieces of wrapping paper have been traced to 2nd century B.C. China. Meanwhile, Koreans used silk as early as the 1st century, and the Japanese used cloth. Hanging stockings comes from Scandinavia, where children believe that the Norse god Odin would leave candy if they behave themselves in their stockings as they hung to dry on the mantle. Christmas cards came up from a Prussian refugee who sold the idea first in the UK before expanding into the United States market. The poinsettia, poinsettia is a plant and tradition original to Mexico. A Mexican legend says that a Mexican young girl wanted to bring a gift to the baby Jesus during the Christmas Eve Mass, but she didn't have any money. So she brought a handful of weeds and placed them by the manger, and they miraculously transformed into a bright, beautiful flower. Mistletoe comes from Norse and Celtic Druids. Gingerbread goes back to ancient Greeks and Egyptians, and it made its way to Europe in the luggage of returning crusaders. Candy canes, Germany again, legend says, a choir director gave them out to children to keep them quiet during the Christmas Eve service while shaped like the shepherd's crook. I could go on, but you get the point. Christmas would not exist without migrants and immigrants. The Christmas story itself is all about migration. The Christmas story is about a Middle Eastern family seeking refuge while enduring not one but two forced migrations. Beyond that, the story has numerous instances and occasions of traveling, wandering, moving from place to place. Newly pregnant Mary travels to see her older cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. Then, while nine months pregnant, she and her betrothed Joseph are forced to Bethlehem for a census. The shepherds, migrant workers, are met by angels who traveled from heaven to tell the shepherds to get on over to Bethlehem to see something amazing. Later, a star leads some astrologers over their border into the foreign land of Israel to find a new king. 
An angel tells Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt with their newborn because the king, Herod, planned to kill him. In that moment, the Holy Family would qualify as refugees according to modern standards. Maybe you saw the news a few years ago. There was a church in California that did something different with their nativity scene. They put the different figures of the nativity in cages and separated them in order to make a point about what was happening on our southern border and how refugees there were being treated. There are travelers and migrants and refugees all over the Christmas story. We would not have Christmas without them. Years later, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, they travel back home to Nazareth. Each year, Jesus' family would make the journey to Jerusalem for Passover. As an adult, Jesus became a wandering, migrant, itinerant preacher before being deported from this earth on a Roman cross. But then, he wandered out of the grave and kept journeying with his followers, and his final message to them not only called for migration, but required it, sending them out to the world to deliver the word. Traveling and migration are all over the gospel story. We would not have a gospel without them. People have been on the move since Abraham drove his herds across West Asia. Now we are seeing countless people fleeing war and persecution, leaving their homes in search of a better, safer life. The forced movements of people across national frontiers and climate zones is one of the most serious realities of our time. Some 60 million refugees are dislocated, and hundreds of millions of people live in diaspora. The migrant and the refugee are icons of our time. One wants a better, more prosperous life. The other just wants to live. You could argue that anyone and everyone who has ever had to relocate for work for however long is a migrant, albeit in a more privileged sense of the word. While millions of people are born and live and work and retire and die in the same exact same community, that is less and less true for more and more people. The average American will switch careers three to seven times over their working lives. 30% of the workforce will change vocations or jobs every 12 months, and many of those jobs will require a change of location. During the pandemic, as white-collar workers, employees adjusted to working at home, some discovered that not only did they not have to report to the office, they didn't even have to stay at home and decided to work from their camper while traveling all over the country for so many reasons. We are an increasingly mobile, migrant, nomadic species. We struggle just to sit still. 
also increasingly, and I think there's a parallel here, people struggle with the idea of God, or at least with what the word God conjures up, often a static, separate, supernatural being sitting off in some remote corner of the universe, which might not exactly resonate with our understanding or experience. Maybe because we know life is always in motion, never static, always shifting and flowing. Our bodies are no exception. No matter how still we attempt to be, our heart still makes our blood travel throughout our body. Our lungs bring in air and push it out. Our Christmas dinner is right now making a journey south. Our mind is a constant flowing stream of thoughts, sometimes a trickle, sometimes a fire hose. Not even inanimate objects have mastered stillness. From the perspective of quantum physics, which I know very little about, the rock, the chair, the car, this church building are nothing more than bundles of energy. Everything is a teeming dance of movement and vibration. Theologians have always viewed God as the prime mover, the one who puts everything in motion. But what if God is also present in the movement, in the motion as well? What if God is migrant? That would sync with the Gospels. The Gospels have no use for a distant, static God. The Gospel centers on divinity migrating and moving into our neighborhood, becoming an itinerant teacher and healer who travels with us along our way home. The Christmas story is for wanderers, travelers, migrants, and immigrants in other words, it's for all of us. Most of us are in some state or form of diaspora, geographically, culturally, emotionally. We might be distanced or estranged from family members. We might feel lost like a stranger in a strange land, perhaps unsure of our place in the world. If any of that is true for you, you are in the right place tonight because the one who comes tonight comes to meet you where you are and to journey alongside with you. Once there was a fish in the sea who got separated from her community by all of the changing currents and eventually found herself alone. She remembered that her community had often spoken of something called the great ocean. And she believed that if she could find this great ocean, she could find them again. Finally, after swimming for many days, she encountered a teacher 
a rabbi fish who was said to be very wise, even though this rabbi fish looked like just any ordinary fish. Can you tell me how to find the great ocean? Our curious fish asked. The rabbi fish smiled and said, it's all around you. It's moving through you and me. Wherever you go, there is the great ocean. The curious fish was still confused, so the rabbi fish said, let go. Follow me. Swim with my school, and you will soon see. Amen.